Psalm 144, verse 1, Lord, prepare my hands for battle. This is the Terry and Jesse show. We're two. This is called the Lord's Gym. We are the two UFC trainers, ultimate faithful Catholic trainers. We are your spiritual fitness trainers from Monday through Friday, and we're both reporting for duty. Terry, what about you? And reporting for duty, and it's an honor, Jesse. This is going to be a great show because we've got content from Bishop Joseph Strickland, America's bishop, who does a radio show every week with us on Tuesday. And his topic is on same-sex blessings. God does not and cannot bless sin. Mm-hmm. He's going to talk about the human dignity of people and that, what the Catechism and the Bible teaches. Basically, you know what it is, Jess? It's a reaffirmation that what he's doing every week is coming out with a letter reaffirming traditional Catholic morality and teachings on the sacraments. And this is just what we need because we're living in a time where people dressed like him are doing the opposite. Also... That's true. Are you ready for this, folks? A million people march in Canada. Canada has the same amount of people California has, 40 million. And in that state, in that country, Canada, they're taking on, uh, basically, it's, it's organized by Muslims. And Christians are joining a slogan, leave our kids alone, specifically in regards to gender ideology, age inappropriate sexual content in schools and libraries, the LGBT propaganda. Wow, if it takes Muslims to do it, whatever it takes, Jesse, we've got to stop this. And we Catholics and Christians need to join in this march. Also, Jess, just for your good to know file, because of your background as a policeman, I mentioned the other day that in Philadelphia, there was a night of looting. Now they're doing it every night. We've got the second night, third night, they're doing it. And what's happening is young people are just breaking into stores and taking what they want. And this is just another indication of how chaos that the, our, our culture is because the accountability for these things are, are very little, especially in California, where they can loot for $1,000 worth of material and basically get a little hand ticket, Ricket, and they, they're fine. So this is what's going on. Uh, Jess, what about uh, your good-to-know file? What do you got yeah, going? Yeah, Terry, let me just go Comment? a little bit. Yeah, let me talk a little bit deeper about the stores that were looted in Philadelphia. Yeah, please do. Most of the kids are black. Uh, uh, just a fact, yes. Yeah, and they so they, they obviously come from single-parent homes or homes where there's not no father. Right. And and over 70% of black homes don't have a father. And this is this is the product of what happens when you remove the patriarchy out of the family. Right. The boys, most especially, because these are all these are all men doing this, not girls. Okay, right. they're all boys. They're all black men, young black men. This is what happens when there's no discipline, there's no order, there's no uh, there's no faith component, and this this all falls upon uh, the, the the shoulders, the responsibility of the father. Uh, these looters, they've been taking, they've been r- ripping off Apple, uh, Foot Locker, Fine Wine, Good Spirits, yeah. the police believe that the looters took advantage of an earlier protest over a judge dismissing charges on Tuesday in the deadly shooting uh, of a knife-wielding man called Eddie Irizarry that took place six months ago. <clears throat> but these large crowds over near the city of Philadelphia, the police said that uh, among the stores looted were, were uh, this, the, the police that was interviewed said that over 100 juveniles looted the Luluman store. Next item, the CVS pharmacy chain has announced that it is closing 900 stores by the end and tell of us, 2024. tell us why they're doing it, Jesse. This is tied into Philly. Go ahead. Yeah, they're citing shoplifting exactly. as the major issue. Yep. So not, 
This is the destruction of Western civilization that yeah. we're watching right now. Right in front of us. Right. 900 CVS stores are closing by next year yep. because of shoplifting as the major issue. And the news comes at the same time that Target has announced has announced the closure of nine stores for similar reasons. Uh, and so a CVS said that they're going to be moving uh, their most of their stores to online. Yes, that's it. So they, so they can uh, avoid shoplifting. And so they're set to close hundreds of stores across the country. And it's going to go. It's going to undergo a complete retail overhaul. Many jobs are going to be lost as a result of this. By the way, also. Hey Jesse, can I b- yeah. jump in? Uh, not just jobs are going to be lost. Revenue from sales tax will be lost for that local city. They won't have the funding to do the things that cities are supposed to do for their citizens, like fund their police departments you, and fire exactly departments. Exactly where I'm going, Jesse. And paramedics. You got it. <laughs> yes, even. Bill Clinton, Democratic strategist, Jane Carville, a man of the left, he's annoyed by progressives. (laughs) He was interviewed by Bill Maher on Bill Maher's podcast. And James Carville, who's the former Clinton strategist, he says that he's annoyed by by the far left wing of the Democrat Party as everyone else. He said, Carville told Bill Maher, quote, I find the left to be just annoying, close quote. He says the far left is habitually the most stupid, naive people you can imagine. They come up with these really goofy constructs, and it's all about feeling good about yourself. Yep. Bill Moore weighed in. He's also a man of the left. He also weighed in with criticism regarding progressives' obsession with feelings and their demands that society cater to them, arguing that if your feelings are hurt, that's more important than free speech. So... Uh, <laughs> So Bill Maher and James Carville, two leftist Democrats, are criticizing the progressive Democrat party. They're calling it a burden to the party. And then both of them argued that white leftists hijacked the term woke, which has helped drive voters away from the party. And finally, yeah, what the heck is happening across the pond? Naked transgenders are standing in front of 10 to 12 year old children in school. And they're explaining, they're naked, why they had sex changing surgery on, uh, uh, and and they're telling, and they're sharing this with kids on TV. Yeah. The TV show is called Simply Naked. It's a TV show made for kids in the Netherlands that airs, that airs uh, across the pond that features naked men and women who disrobe in front of 10 to 12 year old children. And it's been dubbed a show for pedophiles by critics from around the world. I would have to agree. That's, that's exactly what it is. Of course it is. The TV show exposes completely nude adults to young children whose job is to ask questions about the bodies of the fully naked men and women. Terry, we have lost our... We can, have I, lost can I throw one more thing? Se- yeah. yeah, that's Netherlands. In England, I won't say the show because I don't want people to be tempted to go see this stupid thing. I saw it on, on the internet uh, advertising it, and here's what they're doing. This is how far gone we are as a culture. Again, naked men, naked women, a dating game, okay? And that's how they date. They're totally naked, and you watch this show and watch the pornography, and this is how far it's gone. Now, this is in England. The other one's in the Netherlands. But you see, when God is taken out of the, out of the picture, our lower nature takes over everything. Wow. And so what they're abusing, I don't know. I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah, Jesse, I'm wondering if they had anything on us because some of the stuff I'm hearing seems even worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Terry. Uh, as uh, Ruth Graham says, if God doesn't apologize, 
if God doesn't uh, destroy uh, uh, the West real soon, he's going to owe Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. Let's, uh, let me give you the, today's gospel. Yes, please. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Please. Luke chapter 9, verse 7 to 9. Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he was greatly perplexed because some were saying John has been raised from the dead. He's talking about John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. Others were saying Elijah has appeared. Still others, one of the ancient prophets has arisen. But Herod said, John I beheaded. Who then is this mm -hmm. about whom I hear such things? It's a reference to Jesus. Yes. And he kept trying to see him, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Herod Antipas, he was the ruler of Galilee uh, from, from the first century to about 39 AD. Uh, John the Baptist, uh, he had had John the Baptist killed. And uh, you, you see, well, John the Baptist, Jesus says that there is no, uh, no man born of woman that was greater than John the Baptist. He was uh, one of the first martyr. Well, the last martyr, actually, the Old Testament, because he's still part of the Old Testament economy. Right. But uh, Herod, it says there at the end in verse 9 that Herod sought to see Jesus. He wanted to see him because there were rumors that were circulating that Jesus was a resurrected prophet, either John the Baptist or Elijah. So Herod was curious. Uh, and so Herod's desire to meet Jesus, it went unfulfilled until his trial. He didn't want to meet Jesus because he was compelled to by faith. He wanted to meet Jesus because he was compelled by curiosity, much like Eve talked to the serpent not out of uh, you know, not out of yeah. rational thought or any type of faith component, right. out of curiosity. Yeah, amen. Jesse, today's saint of the day is Saint Wenceslas. He was a martyr. He was born in nine oh seven, ruled till nine twenty nine. Uh, you know, there's songs that we hear of good Wenceslas. He was justly and difficult in a difficult time, known for his virtues and restraint. He was murdered by. Are you ready for this, Jess? Mm -hmm. His brother for political and religious reasons interesting and so you know when the gospel talks also about hey uh you know if your family's gonna dislike you and, and persecute you because of your faith think of this saint wenceslas not only did they persecute him his brother murdered him and he prayed for him in the church i remember the story how he was in church praying and uh, this is how the murder took place so he was a man of great uh love and also forgiveness jesse when we come back i want to play Bishop Sheen and and uh, St. John Paul II. Remember, Bishop Sheen met with Pope John Paul II on, in, in October of 1979, months before he died, and said, you have written and spoken well of our Lord and Savior. You are a loyal son of the church. And then he hugged Bishop Sheen. Mm. But when we come back, I'm going to tell the story they had up in heaven and the story that Bishop Sheen brought up. And here it is. This is a story about a miracle that took place 25 years ago here in Rome. You won't want to miss that. That's what he call a teaser. You'll hear more on the Terry and Jesse show when we come back from the break. I like to say to Jesse and myself, we're too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, Jess Romero, Terry Barber, we'd be billionaires. Because our hope is Jesus Christ. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. We're going to bring the smartest guy in the room, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. He's with John Paul II, and they talk about a story of a Swiss guard. It's on in the Internet. You can check it out on YouTube. 
and it's a great interview. It's on over an hour long. But what I really liked was that this Swiss guard knew really not much about his faith, and it was St. John Paul II that converted him to real Christianity. And how he did it, it's an amazing story. Uh, he is going to tell you in just two minutes, but I would really encourage you to watch the entire interview. Let's play that clip now, Mr. Engineer. I saw miracle being performed. There was a young girl, mute and deaf, that came to the general audience on a Wednesday. The girl had a little drawing in her hands, and she gave it to me, and she mumbled something, and I don't understand what she's trying to say, and her mom says to me, she wants you to give this to His Holiness. Okay. So I folded it, and it was a typical drawing that we all did. While I was eating lunch, my colleagues that instead stayed for the entire audience, when they came back and they sat at my table, they were discussing a situation that happened which caused the guards to go into an alarm stage. Well, the guards told me that on his way down, you know, he had already done this up, and on his way down, all of a sudden, he stopped and he walked back like 15 feet, which for the guards was panic because they had already moved forward, so they had to go around and one run this way. And the reason why he moved back, he went and he blessed a little girl that was barely above the barricades. He blessed a little girl's mouth and ears. That little girl was the girl that gave me the drawing. The name of that little girl was Rachele, Rachel. And after he blessed her mouth and ears, she started talking and hearing. He was drawn back to that girl and he knew exactly what to do, and he did it. So that's why I know that he was a saint. <laughs> you know, every time I hear that story, mm. Jesse, it just reminds me how, you know, we hear about uh, you know, miracles taking place for the saints, you know, 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago. It's still happening. And when I watched that clip of the Saint, of Saint John Paul II, and I looked at him, and I saw his confidence of just him, you know, being the vigor of Christ, and knowing it and proclaiming the perennial teachings, it was really refreshing for me to see that. So I hope, folks, you got an uh, inspiration like I did on how miracles are still taking place in the modern church. Yeah, Terry, uh, you're right. I, we could use some inspiration we because, uh, because I tell you what, uh, <clears throat> there's very few people that inspire me today, but Bishop Strickland is one of them. Yeah, there's another and def one. And, yep. and definitely St. John Paul II, yep. Pope Benedict XVI, they were another uh, two right. truly inspirational prelates. Well, let's get into the, uh, yep. let's just set the stage. Bishop Strickland, every week right now, is coming out with a pastoral letter. It would be something that I would expect the Holy See to do at a better times, so, you know, where each week it's giving us catechetical teachings, you know, the Wednesday audience type thing, and reaffirming traditional Catholic teachings. So this is his, his uh, fourth letter, and I just think it's wonderful because he's basically saying uh, traditional morality and and in quoting the catechism, he's taking, he's pasting this in, pasting that in from what the church has always taught. 
And when I laugh about this, Jesse, when we go through it, this is getting him in trouble to do this. This is the guy that's getting in trouble. And then look at this, Jesse, in my hand. Swiss bishop calls for women's ordination. He'll be at the Senate, okay? Uh, this knucklehead is saying that uh, I'm going to lobby for the church to be decentralized and be more Protestant. Okay, you know what I want to tell the bishop like that? He's the one that should be punished and investigated and kicked out if he can't hold on to the teachings of the church. But what happens? Strickland does these good deeds. Remember the story, Jesse? No good deed goes unpunished. Mm. And this is Strickland today. Let's get into it. Yeah, th this is what he wrote. I'm going to go. Yeah, let's uh, I'll go right. He Thank says, you. every human person is created in the image and likeness of God, male or female. Yep. And all people should be helped to discover their true identities yep. as children of God and not supported in a disordered attempt to reject their undeniable and God-given identity. So he spoke clearly against the whole transgender cult. Then he says, the reality that the human community is losing this thread of truth yeah. is one of the most surprising and devastating trends of our time. Yep. The confusion and the harm that come from forsaking our biological and God-given identity are rooted in the modern tendency to deny the sovereignty of God, and for many, to deny, to deny even his very existence. That's right. Yeah. If, if there is no God, then, then you know, everything's up for grabs. Yep. Thereby making ourselves into gods in our own minds. Yeah, just like the devil did, Lucifer. This denial of the true God is demonstrated in dramatic ways as we begin to lose a thread of who we are. To answer the, best, the basic question of our identity, we must turn to God and to truth uh, that he has revealed to us. When we attempt to answer this question of who we are without first seeking an answer from God, we find ourselves immersed in the chaos which we see around us today. Thankfully, God has real, revealed a beautiful picture of who we are and sacred scripture That's right. and sacred tradition of our Catholic faith offer much to help us paint the wondrous picture of the human person. And he quotes Genesis 1.27. So then God created man in his own image. Yep. In the image of God, he created, he created him. Male and female, he created them. In the truth that God has created us, says Bishop Strickland, in his own image and likeness, takes us beyond the natural level to the supernatural destiny that we all share. Mm -hmm. And he quotes the Catechism 364, 365, where it says, the human body shares in the dignity of the image of God. Yep. It is a human body precisely because it is animated by a spiritual soul, and it is the whole person that is intended to become, <clears throat> to become in the body of Christ a temple of the Holy Spirit. Then he quotes John Paul II's Christi Fidel's Leitch. That's a great document. Where he wrote, St. John Paul II wrote, an anthropological foundation for masculinity and femininity, femininity. He stated that this is a plan that from the beginning has been indelibly imprinted in the very being of, of the human person, men and women, and therefore in the makeup, meaning, and deepest working of the individual. Strickland now writes, in today's culture, there's a preoccupation with one's own identity, which speaks to a deeply held longing in the heart and soul of each person to find meaning in his or her life. We try to express, this, express in some way, through the physical reality of our lives, the stirrings we feel within our souls. Although there's a wide diversity of human experience, and although every life offers something unique and unrepeatable, as we all share one simple, clear, and yet inconceivably profound truth, we are the beloved, which means we are in a relationship with the one who loves us. This foundational truth is what actually gives our lives the meaning we are truly seeking. 
If only we would embrace our true identity in God and enter into relationship with him. We cannot and do not create our own identity. Our identity comes from our creator alone. The catechism of the church provides us a beautiful quotation from St. Catherine of Siena, (laughs) which gives us a glimpse of our identity in God's eyes. St. Catherine writes, quote, What made you establish men in so great a dignity? Clearly, the incalculable love by which you have looked on your creature and yourself, you are taking with love for her. For by love, indeed, you created her. By love, you have given her a, a being capable of tasting your eternal good. CC 357. Terry, you want to pick it up from there? Yeah, I just, I, we have a couple minutes. Just, I just want to remind what Bishop Strickland is doing is he's reiterating that, you know, the Catholic Church teachings on human sexuality. He says, I'm not making an attempt in any way to discriminate against those who carry the burden of same-sex attraction, but rather it is a reminder of the truth that the liturgical rite and of the nature of the sacraments, we cannot honor God, who is truth, by attempting to offer blessings which run counter to his truth. And I, I say this, Jesse, because this is what they're proposing to the German bishops are doing. You know, blessing same-sex marriages. He said this, not in the letter, but yesterday on his radio show, truth is not something we invent. It's something we discover. Okay? Mm. This is a distinction. He says, in closing, he says, I would like to say with sex, same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria, Christ loves you, and the Catholic Church welcomes you. We are all struggling to grow in holiness. I invite you to come and sit with us, pray with us, worship with us, and experience the overwhelming power of God's love and mercy with us. He says, the truth is, at the core of our existence is love, and there is no power in heaven or on earth that can keep the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from loving us fully and completely. We are invited at every moment to embrace the love that God offers us, but in his infinite wisdom and goodness, he does not force himself upon us. I like what he says here. Love is a choice, and it is always it is always a sacrifice. Sacrifice is the language of love, but it is a sacrifice, he says. He first made for us, and it is a choice he is calling us to make for him. Let the, And I like this. Let the scales fall from our eyes, that we may get a glimpse of how much our Father loves us and his beloved, and run to him always, as the source of our ultimate fulfillment. And then he quotes Isaiah 43, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Jesse, the reason I bring that last statement up is because people accuse people like you or Strickland or myself that we're beating up on people who are have same-sex attraction. We're all called to chastity, Jess. You married women, married men are called to chastity. Single people are called to chastity. Homosexuals are called to chastity. So, so get over it that you think that we're picking on you. We're all called to live chaste lives, whether you're a homosexual, heterosexual, married, unmarried. I can't make it any clearer, brother. And I can't believe that Bishop Strickland would be in trouble. For oh, this. man, does he get in trouble all, for this? All he's doing is cut and paste from the catechism. Yes, Cutting and pasting from magisterial documents from the CDF under yeah. John Paul II and Pope Benedict. Right. Uh, cutting and pasting from Scripture. Yeah. When I look at this, I'm just saying, uh, who's where's the who's, problem? Yeah. Who's lost their mind in the Roman Curia that this man would be in trouble 
for writing this. This is this is what you call the deposit of faith. This is what you call the perennial teachings of the Catholic Church. And so in this pastoral letter, letter number seven. Yeah, he's going after the whole transgender LGBTQ agenda. This, and he, I like this one se- section where he says the transgender movement is another face of the LGBTQ agenda. Oh, yeah. And it is also at odds with the Catholic understanding of the human being. That's right. This movement seeks to fundamentally alter the way our world views the biological and God-given identity of each person. A rapidly increasing number of young people are being caught up in this transgender movement. And Terry, I'll say one thing. Tell me, Jeff. Uh, they have the highest suicide rate, transgenders. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and Jesse, it's not Bi- good for anybody. Bishop Strickland, thank you for joining us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio because we embrace what we call that deposit of faith. And I agree. That's why you're in trouble. And I'll explain that maybe in a couple months. Stay with us, family. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. We're having an engineer issue. We're trying to get some clips set for you, but I want to, oh, great. I want to just mention that we've got a Fulton Sheen Day on the 14th of October. You're welcome to come to that event. We have the actual mitre of Fulton Sheen that will be at our Sacred Heart Chapel on display. So wow. that'll be kind of like a, 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 um, a relic, you know, of Fulton Sheen's at, that he wore when he was uh, as a bishop in America. So that's interesting. Jess, let's set the stage for our next topic and what the clip is going to be about. Yep. Uh, Elon Musk, yeah. he, he shared a video on his X platform, Which formerly known Twitter. as Twitter. Mm-hmm. And there's 115,000 views for the video that were shared by Elon Musk. And uh, this was in Canada. There was over a million people that marched over in Canada, protesting against the LGBTQ in schools. Hey, Jesse, can I make uh, a comment? It wasn't yeah. 115. It was 115 million times. Oh, got it's, it. It's yeah. just, the Views. Video, yeah, schools yeah. have been viewed for more than 115 million times. Wow. That's a lot more than 115,000. Thousand, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the correction, Terry. Yeah. And, and, and so what you have is you have... Over a million people that were marching, you know, concerned parents yeah. out in Canada protesting the, against the LGBT schools. I want you to watch a little clip because the majority of these people are Muslims. And I think when Muslims jump in on the culture wars <laughs> along with Christians, yeah. we're going to change the world. Oh, yeah. And so, Mr. Engineer, can you play the clip? amazing jess what's going well, out there well i'll tell you that what's impressive is they're, they're saying there was about a million people most of them were muslim in canada yeah and there's only 40 million people living in the whole country yeah so if you could get 140th 
of, of, of percent of the population to go out and hit the streets, and one fortieth are Muslim. Hmm. Uh, the the bad thing is that again, it just shows the fact that uh, we here in the West, people aren't having children, right? And the only children that are coming are children from foreigners, and so that's going to change the demographics of all oh, these yeah. countries. But I'll tell you one thing: at the very least, Islam. They don't tolerate the LGBT homosexual agenda. So on that score, they have it right. Here's what the article says. A video of Canadians protesting the LGBT agenda in schools have been viewed more than 115 million times on X, formerly known as Twitter, after it was shared by Elon Musk. It is not the first time that Musk has engaged with issues related to the LGBTQ agenda. The billionaire entrepreneur blames left-wing California schools for causing his son's gender confusion with ideologies that he recently referred to as the woke mind virus. I love it. That's a good term. Earlier this month, Musk described as utter madness a highly controversial California bill that would impose penalties on parents who refuse to affirm the gender delusions of their children in custody battles. Earlier this year, Musk said that any parent or doctor who sterilizes a a child before they are a consenting adult should go to prison for life. Close quote. Good for Elon Musk. I'm glad he's making these statements. Yep. This past Wednesday, thousands of concerned parents, children, and citizens descended upon Canada's capital of Ottawa and other cities across the country for the much-anticipated million-person march against LGBT indoctrination in the nation's schools. The Million Person March was a coast-to-coast protest gathering Canadians of all ages, races, and religions to defend children from LGBT indoctrination in schools. Absolutely. So these pro-family Canadians, Terry, what this video showed us is that they flooded the city of Ottawa and other cities for this Million Person March against LGBT indoctrination. Hey. Nobody hates homosexuals. We're not homophobic. We're cynophobic. Terry? Yes. And you know, Jesse, you notice that you don't hear a response from the LGBT community. What you did hear is from the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, who described the peaceful protest as a manifestation of hate. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wonder where this guy stands. I know that he just had his marriage breakup. Uh, you know, there's lots of speculation. I won't speculate other than saying, give me a break, dude. The they, people want family. I mean, the way the family goes is the way the culture goes. And and I like what psychiatrist, psychologist Jordan Peterson was among many Canadians who hit back at Trudeau for his comments. He said, let me make one thing very clear, Peterson countered. Once again, you are on the wrong side of history. You are going to destroy this country, uh, you pathetic narcissist and a compassion-mongering liar. I didn't say it. Peterson said it. But I, I think he and the prime minister have had words before. Can you tell? Yeah, I think the prime minister is trying to yank his license. Exactly. Yeah. They're at each other's throats. But here's so, the point, Jess. Yeah. The point here we have people pushing back again. Yeah, and uh, it's it's funny, you know. Uh, we'll take all the the culture warriors that we can. I mean, we Absolutely. we can't be picky. We can't be picky. No, and I'll t- fight. Yeah, and and I'll tell you what's interesting is that this protest was organized by Muslim Canadians. God love those folks. It wasn't just you know what this reminds me of. Nineteen ninety four, when the Muslims at the UN 
uh, stopped the uh, in Clinton administration, the Clinton administration, from all the contraception that they were trying to flood the United Nations in. See, we locked arms with Muslims on these issues. We can do it on this one also. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the, the the slogan of these Muslim Canadians was "Leave our kids alone." Yeah, it's a great line. And, and specifically in regard to gender ideology. Yeah. Age inappropriate sexual content in school libraries, like yep. these drag screen story hours, and all this LGBT propaganda. The protests were planned for cities all across Canada, but the main event took place in Ottawa, the capital, where Canadians gathered at, par- at Parliament Hill at 9 a.m. and they marched downtown at 11 a.m. And I'll tell you, this could all be, Terry, part of the prophecy, kind of the, the, the Fulton J. Sheen. Oh, Arthur yeah, I remember Sheen. that, Shane, yeah. Yeah, he, he uh, 1954, he, world's first yeah, love. Yeah, yeah, he wrote, he's got a chapter in there. It's called Marrying the Muslim. That's right. And so, you know, Archbishop Sheen, he posits that because the Muslims do get some Marian doctrines right. Right. In fact, even more so than Protestants. <laughs> they, they believe in, like, I think the perpetual virginity. There's, right. there's, they, there's, there's a couple of doctrines that they hold to that the Protestants don't, that, that right. along with us. Uh, they also believe that ble- the Blessed Mary is the is the perfect woman, even beyond a- any of Muhammad's wives or right. you know or Fatima, you know sure, one of the, Muhammad's the daughters. Yeah, the daughters, mm-hmm. and so uh, Mary is, is is nobody rivals her in Islam. They they call her in, in Islam the true Sayida, which means the true lady. Uh, we call her the High Lady or the Queen Mother, and so it would be interesting, Terry. If the culture wars through Our Lady's intercession mm-hmm. becomes the catalyst to start bringing Islam back awesome. to Christianity, because Islam's a Christian heresy is what it is. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Islam's a heresy, according to Hillary Belloc, and, and, and it's a heresy that's uh, that's never declined and it's grown in numbers and devotion. But I think the Blessed Virgin Mary, as Fulton Sheen says, she may have a hand in bringing the, uh, them back into the fold of Christendom. And if she does that, we would have the numbers and the energy and the huspa to shut down all these culture of death issues. Because I'm telling you, uh, the Muslims, they don't play around, Terry. Well, if I can mention something, Bishop Strickland and I were on the show yesterday. He talked about a video he saw where three members of one family lived in an Islamic country and all three had dreams about the Blessed Virgin Mary telling them that you need to become Catholic. And all three of them went to uh, the St. Charbel Shrine uh, in Lebanon uh, and said they want to become Catholic. So I say this because that's not the ordinary means of someone coming into the church that the Blessed Mother's going to meet you in a dream and say this is what you need to do. But the point of it is, I think these kind of things are happening because we're sitting on our hands, Jesse, not evangelizing them. What you just said about evangelizing Muslims, we need to do that with Our Lady. Let's use Our Lady as the vehicle to bring them into the faith. And get, and that's exactly what's happening right now. And this is, imagine, this would be a big blow against Satan because Satan... Oh, big time. Yeah, Satan, he, he used the Nestorian heresy yes. to confuse Muhammad, yes. a, a young soldier and a young camel driver, to become a, her- a full-blown heretic and not embrace Christianity. That's right. Wouldn't that be just, I mean, <laughs> it, it was just funny, you know, uh, uh, you know, cosmically funny, divine yeah. providence, if our Lord and our Lady ends up bringing this, the largest religion in the world, who are, who are 
in 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 material heresy over over Christ and the, and and the, and the Godhead, and the, our Lord and Our Lady bring them back into Christendom, and now we would have not only the numbers but the zeal Amen. and the energy to shut down every single culture of war, every culture of death issue that we're facing, Terry. Well said, Jesse. When we come back, we have that 2030 agenda for the sustainable development and their pledge. I'm just going to read you a part of the pledge as a teaser. It says, We are resolved to free human race from the tyranny of poverty and want to heal and secure our planet. And then I just want to ask you one question. What did our Lord say about the poor? Well, when we come back, we'll tell you what our Lord said. But this is, again, the agenda of, really, I'd say it's the Democratic Party, Jesse, to be quite frank. They're, they're behind this hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. And don't forget, go to our website for the Spiritual Warfare Conference coming up with Father Chad Ripperger and all the guys that we had last year at the St. Joseph's Church. Go to vmpr.org. It's not too late to... Uh, register for that or the Fulton Sheen event October 14th a day with Fulton Sheen remember I'm going to have a priest who was converted by Bishop Sheen's book tell his story and much much more when we come back let's talk about this Project 230 and what it is and how we have to fight it with our faith stay with us family you're listening to the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We're back, We're ba- Jess. Yep. Terry, the, 2000, the, the 2030 yeah. Agenda for Sustainable Development. What's this all about, Jess? Yeah, this is uh, this is. Been been put out by the United Nations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is this is the United Nations Big Daddy government. This is their goal for the human race for the planet. Let me read. Let me read what it actually says. Yeah, please. It says, "Quote: We are resolved. This is the United Nations, and this is called the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. It used to be called before global warming, then climate change. Now they call it sustainable <laughs> development. Okay." So here's what the United Nations plans on doing. Yeah. Quote, we are resolved to free the human race from the tyranny of poverty and want and to heal and secure our planet. Close quote. Yeah. All right. Here's the problem, Terry. We're so the, the United Nations and the 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 globalist, the the deep state, they're so fixated on we want to get rid of poverty, poverty, poverty. First of all, this this whole United Nations, mm-hmm. Terry, this is a corrupt organization. They 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 promote uh, eugenics. Yep. If you look at this is that's why this is why Donald Trump during his term in office he pulled back from the UN oh, yeah. and he pulled a lot of funding from their health agency, the the World Health Organization. Why? Because the United Nations, they promote progressive agendas that are part of the culture of death. Of course they do. And, and this is, you know, they, 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 everything about the United Nations is for the planet and to depopulate the earth. And so this is why Trump wanted nothing to do with them. Yep. And, and people don't realize is that this, the United Nations, 
Protestants and Catholics, Protestant scholars, uh, Protestant, Protestant scholar Professor Thomas Ice, he says globalism is preparation for the Antichrist. Yep. Well, we, we say the same thing as Catholics. Archbishop Carla Maria Vigano yep. says the rise of globalism, he says, prepares humanity for the political rise of the Antichrist. The essence of globalism is satanic and the essence of Satanism is globalist. So both Catholics and Protestants are, are, are intellectuals. We all agree that globalism, which is represented by the United Nations, yes, th- this sets up this sets up uh, the the reign of the Antichrist. Both Protestants and Catholics agree on this. Can I just mention yeah. something also, Jesse? Just fifty years ago, first of all, I think it's sixty percent of the funding comes from United Nations, from our country, from America, yes. from our tax dollars. But if you think about fifty years ago, the percentage of religiously unaffiliated Americans was about 5% of the population. Okay, Jess? So 95% of the people were affiliated with church, going to church, meaning that in just two generations, that has been an increase of 500% of people leaving their churches. And this has just been in the last 25 years. So what does that tell us, Jesse? To me, what that tells me is that the culture is having a huge influence over the church, and the church is having very little influence over the culture. That's right, Terry. And and uh, sick. Yes, and 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 so going back to the United Nations and their their whole push on stopping poverty, we got to stop poverty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's their. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 the the, the 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 musical note that they play over and over again. Right. Well, Terry, one of the things that we know from Freemasonry. In the 32nd degree of, of the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, right. the candidate is told that the mace, that Freemasonry will eventually rule the world. So that's revealed at the 32nd and 33rd degree, mm-hmm. that the Freemasons will have universal dominion over the world. Right. Well, guess what? That's exactly the rhetoric or the philosophy of the United Nations. Right. You know, the, the Masons and the United Nations are very interesting they use the same language of universal dominion, of rule the world. Both of them use the same language. But I want to get to the... To the um, tell us. I'll, 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 I'll tell you what we're seeing right now. And Archbishop Vigano, he wrote that. Mm-hmm. He says, what was left of Christ's reign, it must be wiped out by the deep state. Yeah. The institutions, the culture, everyday life of citizens. One way to affect this, Archbishop Vigano says, is to implement moral dissolution, he argued, which would encourage people to vice and mocking virtue. Yes. So Vigano saying that he we, we have to tear down Western civilization yep. that's given to us by Christianity, Catholic Christianity, and build back better. <laughs> build back better. Sounds yeah. Like- yeah, look what's happening in, 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 in department stores around the country in, city, in blue cities uh, with the looting, with the stealing, with the yep. violence, with the thievery. Yep. That, that's what's called building back. They've got to tear down the pre-existence, pre-existing order of Christianity and build back better. What's interesting, Terry, about this whole build back better, which is kind of a globalist oh, it's mentality. A, it's a, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a slogan it, right now being yeah, said all over the world. Yeah, it's a slogan. It's it's a United Nations mentality. They're yep. all behind it. Build back better. Yep. Is that the thing is we already tried that before. Yeah. It's called the Tower of Babel. <laughs> we cute. tried to build back better, and you know what God's response was? He sent a worldwide flood. Yeah. 
That's what God thinks when you want to build back better. But let me get specifically, because I've even got emails from people that criticize me. They say, Jesse, you and Terry speak a lot about abortion but, and, and homosexual marriage. Uh, so, But you guys, you and Terry never talk about starvation and poverty. Mm-hmm. I've got emails like that. In fact, oh. I saved one. I saved one here. So I responded to the lady that criticized us because it's, it's, it's you know, it's, a whole, it's along with the 2030 agenda of we've got to fight poverty. We got to fight poverty. Okay. So here's what I responded because they said, Jesse, you and Terry speak a lot about abortion and homosexual marriage, but you guys don't put enough emphasis on the issues of starvation and poverty. So I told her, I said, the, uh, the countries that are run by dictators and countries that promote communism and socialism have a history of starving their people. Yeah. If you notice, I told the person who criticized us, if you notice, those in capitalist country like ours and in Europe are not starving their people. However, as Christians, I agree with you that we should help the poor. It's our Christian duty. It's in the, the corporal works of mercy, paragraph 2447. But don't lose sight of the fact that, you know, this when you hear the whole, whole thing, war on poverty or the or the or the 2030 agenda sustained where it says tyranny of poverty. We want to free the human race from the tyranny of poverty. I'll tell you why you can't do that. You know why? Our Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 26, 11, the poor you will always have with you. So Jesus has told us the poor you will always have with you. In Luke chapter 418, our Lord says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. In Luke chapter 6, verse 20, our Lord says, and raising his eyes towards his disciples, he said, blessed are you who are poor. In Luke chapter 12, verses 12, he says, the servant went out and reported to his, this to his master. Then the master of the house, in a, in a rage, commanded his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys, of the, and alleys of the town and bring in here the poor and cripple the blind and lame. So notice the Bible says, according to Jesus, that the poor are the first ones called to enjoy the kingdom of heaven. And in James chapter 2, verse 5, the Bible says, did not God chose... chose Choose those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom. So, you know, we have this, the United Nations, the Democrats, stop the poor, war on poverty. Terry, Jesus says there's always going to be poor people. Yeah, That's what he says. Yeah. And so, so the fact is, is that this is just a human condition. There's always been wealthy people, middle-class yeah. people, and poor people. Uh, how how can you say we're going to stop poverty when Jesus said there's always going to be poverty until the second coming of Christ, Terry? Well, Jesse, I can only say this. We see it happening as in front of our eyes right now with the high price of gasoline, the high price of taxes, the high price of just keeping your house warm with heat. People, the middle class is being pushed aside. Mm. You're either going to have the very poor or the very rich. And I think those are the same people who are who are trying to get rid of a middle class society, and that is really the bedrock of America, the small businessman. So I would encourage all of us to stay away from the United Nations and any of this 
build up 2030 because it, the common joke, guys that are listening who are making a living, middle class people are really the the key in a success of any country because without the middle class, all you have is the very rich and the very poor. And we see what, go to, go to North Korea, you'll see that. You go to some communist countries, that's what they have, the rich and the poor. You, with free enterprise and, and um, here in America, if we go with our constitution and we implement it, look what, look what the benefits are when you have a strong middle class. That's all I want to say, Jesse. Terry, and Jesus talks about uh, the rich in Luke 18, 25. Yeah. He says, it'll be difficult for those who are rich to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And you know why? Love of money. Exactly, because money becomes mammon to them. Exactly. Mammon, which was a which is a demon god in Syria, mm -hmm. and it was the god of money, the god of 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 of, of uh, treasure, the god of wealth. And m many people take their eyes off of Jesus and put their eyes on mammon. Here's a one last thing I'll say about the 2030 agenda. When you read it, it says that they want to save the planet. That's crazy, Terry. Save the planet, windmills, and all these other yeah. projects that they have, Terry. Let me tell you what's going to happen to the planet. I'm not going to read the whole thing. In Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 to 15, it says Jesus is going to come back on a white horse. That's right. And he's going to judge everybody. And it says he's going to make war on this planet. Yep. And he's going to strike all the nations with a rod of iron. So Jesus is going to come back and destroy this planet through war. So we want to build this plant, planet. Read it. You don't believe me. It's in Revelation chapter 19, oh, yeah. verses 11 to 15. The church has always taught this. And, 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 and about all this build back better, Jesus, when he comes back in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, says he's going to burn the entire planet. It's going to melt and dissolve. I love it. I love it. You know why I love it? Because life is short and eternity is forever. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Mr. Bergsbaum, one of the Bible scholars, just came out on the internet saying that it was a comet that destroyed that. And you know what? God can do it again. This is why I say, let's stay in the state of grace. Jess, what state? Yeah, what state should we be in, brother? Let's live in a state of grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Yeah. Become holy or die trying and make sure that before you drop dead, you leave it all out on the field for Jesus Christ. Amen. And don't forget our lady said at Fatima, souls are going to hell because no one's there to make prayers and sacrifices. Let's unite our sacrifices with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, especially in the most holy sacrament of the earth. Stay with us, family. Pray, worry, pray, hope, and don't worry. Up next, Dr. Sandoval. Stay with us on vmpr.org. God bless you.